Good evening. Good to see you. Wednesday night Bible study. You have your Bibles? From the Bible study, sometimes we don't have our Bibles. James, the fourth chapter, chapter four. We've been in a study in the book of James now for many, many months. And we're in the fourth chapter where James is dealing with some conflict in the church. And he's talking about the causes of the conflict and the characteristics of the conflict. And down the road, we'll look at the condemnation and the cure. But we got to the part of the characteristics. And one thing that the conflicts were causing is the prayers were being stopped. The prayers were being hindered. I mean, they were praying, but they weren't getting anything. Their, the motives weren't right. And God wasn't pleased. And we looked at that, and we said, well, we'll pause there, and we'll just go a little deeper, and we'll try to look at some principles from the Scripture to help us to pray better. I don't want to just pray to get my lungs exercised. Amen, that's what the treadmill's for. I, I, I want to pray because I want to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Uh, I pray because I need God. I mean, I don't pray if I can do it. Isn't that right? If I can put these glasses on, I don't got to ask you to pray for me to put these glasses on. But there are certain things, I, I, it's beyond me. It's beyond human understanding, human ability. I need God, amen? And I want to go to the Word of God and find out what are some of the principles God gives me so I can be a better person of prayer. And so we're looking at that, James 4, looking at verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you don't ask God. Verse 3, but when you ask God, you still don't receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, I think next week we'll get to that last part of praying effectively, is to make sure our hearts are right. Amen? Uh, making sure uh, my motives are pure, making sure I don't have ought against my brother, because if I got unforgiveness against my brother, I can jump and shout and pray in the spirit, fall out and snarl, and God just sits there saying, you know, when you're done, we can talk, amen? Because there's certain principles. I mean, see, prayer is not just some kind of faith. It's not just a mental thing. Faith's a spiritual thing. And you can't grieve the Holy Spirit and have real faith. You, you can't have unconfessed sin in one's heart and expect to pray and powerful prayer. But that's next week. But this week, quickly review. We said one thing, if we're going to pray effectively, the Bible teaches us over and over again, we have to pray in faith, believing. We have to pray in faith. And we broke that down, faith, believing and persevering. Believing and persevering. And Jesus, when you pray, believe that you have received. Amen? And James said in the beginning of this whole book that we've been studying, he says, listen, and when you ask, ask in faith. Anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. But when you pray, believe. Because if you don't believe and you're doubting, you won't get anything from God. You're wavering. So when we pray, we believe in the person, the promise, and the power of God to do what he said he would do. But then we said there has to be also not just believing, but persevering. These are spiritual opponents and spiritual resistance. And we looked at Jesus gave parables, unjust um, judge and a widow that wouldn't give up kept pressing on amen jesus said that's faith that's persevering faith that i'm looking for he told the story about a, a friend that went to his neighbor's house at midnight just kept rapping on that door until he finally opened jesus said because of his persistence because of the audacity to keep on going he'll get it amen and then jesus says so for you you keep asking and you keep seeking and you keep knocking. So we looked at that, and then we said, well, let, let's open it up a little bit and say, why is perseverance so important? And we learned that because we've got opposition. When we are praying, we have to deal with human will. It's hard to overcome human will. 
Amen? Human will has something to do with it. But there's also spiritual opposition. And we studied that last time. That's what Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. So you can take your stand. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and dominions, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a real invisible war that you and I are a part of. And we looked at that. That's why it's important to pray and keep praying and keep believing. And we looked at Daniel, that, that great prophet of the Old Testament. And now for some 21 days, he's praying and fasting, and there's no answer. So finally, the angel shows up and kind of gives us this glimpse into the invisible world that we're a part of. And the angel said, listen, that very first day you prayed, the very first day God heard it. And the answer was coming, but there was an evil angel over Persia holding back this answer. And the angel said, I had to come and help him get the answer through. And so we learned from that. There's a real spiritual warfare going on. And that's why you can't just pray, and now we lay me down to sleep and expect there's a perseverance and a tenacity and endurance of prayer. We pray until, because our prayers are affecting that spiritual war. Invisible, but real. There we go. So we stopped with that. And now this, um, this evening, we're going to pray effectively. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, look at John 14. John 14. These are the words of Jesus. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. I want to pray effectively. I'm going to pray in his name. I'm going to pray in his name. You and I have access to God. We have this privilege of prayer because of Jesus. I mean, it's all through Jesus. It's because of the blood of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. I've got no right to come boldly to any throne of grace in my own righteousness. It's in his righteousness. Amen. My, my name will not unlock heaven's door, but his name unlocks heaven's. Amen. So it's in Christ. But Jesus said to us here, John 14, and we start with verse um, number 12. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. And he'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Jesus wants to bring glory to the Father by answering our prayers. Amen? So we need to pray prayers that do glorify the Father. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Let me re read my footnote here. In my name, not simply prayer that mentions Jesus' name, not, not, not a little tag-along, you know, but a prayer in accordance with all that the person who bears the name is. It's a prayer that's aimed at carrying forth the work of God and the will of God, just like Jesus did. It's a prayer that Jesus would answer. We talk about praying in his name. Remember, you know, when someone uses your name, that's power of attorney. It's an important thing if someone allows you to use their name that you use it respectfully and properly. Amen? And you know, if someone gives you a foot in the door, someone gives you an open door, you're extra thankful for that. You're extra reverent for that. Because you realize, I can get there on my own. Amen? As our boy, our youngest, finally got his job. Praise God for all that. Um, and many people, I mean, Carly was one of them, and Derek Yates. People were good to him. And I said, you better make sure you tell him thank you. You better go the extra mile and make sure you let him know he didn't make a mistake. Because he's sticking his neck out for you. You know, they're, they're taking a step. They're, they're, they're putting their name. They're giving you their name. Their name's giving you access to places your own name wasn't going to give you. So you better be very reverent and thankful if you go that route. Jesus said you can pray in my name. And I like how one, one, one writer put it. it. It's both a guarantee endorsement on the check, but also a limitation. 
It's in his name, so there's great confidence we pray in his name, because that name is mightier than any other name. But it also limits what I'm going to pray, because I just can't pray my own thing. I've got to pray something that would glorify him. I have to pray something that would please and honor him. Am that right? Remember one time, uh, the, the, the disciples wanted to call down fire from heaven. What did he say? You don't know what spirit you're of. They were not praying in his name, were they? That is not in accordance with the nature of Jesus. Because he didn't come to destroy, he came to save. Talking about praying in that name. How we use someone else's name is very important. And we should be very reverent in how we use the name of Jesus. Never be flippant with that name. Honor, hallowed be thy name. But it's also when we pray in his name, we're praying for his purpose and for his kingdom. No, not for selfish reasons. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. We pray on the basis of his merit, not mine. Again, I love, I love, and I can still see our old elder. He's with the Lord now, Brother Pelagian. He'd get up there on Sunday morning. Let us go boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? And you and I can go boldly to the throne of grace, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? But when you really understand who Jesus is and everything that name means and who the person of that name is and the power of that name and the preeminence of that name, man, it gives you a boldness, doesn't it? It gives you a confidence when you go before the Father knowing I'm not praying and I'm not worthy, but oh, Jesus, he is worthy, amen? And we pray that way. We pray that way. We're, we're praying for his glory in line with his nature and his will. We're going to ask what he would ask. Ask what he would ask. Great confidence and expectation comes because of the power, the status, the preeminence, and the authority of that name. We recognize and study a little bit the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 says that God the Father has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. When we pray in that name, we're praying in the name that is above, mightier, greater than, more awesome than, more authority than any other name found out Peter told us in Acts 4 and verse 12 that it's the only name under heaven whereby men must be saved. It's a powerful name, isn't it? It's a name that when we minister, we're not just praying that name, you know, we minister to the sick and the afflicted in that name. Pastor Todd took that oil bottle, went back there. He wasn't praying his name. He was praying boldly in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? He said, in my name. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, you'll cast out demon spirits. See, it's in, it was his authority and his power. And we have a confidence in that. That helps us to minister confidently, healing and preaching and praying. Again, the privilege of prayer. The privilege of prayer. Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. I like that. It takes faith. We pray in faith. We claim this promise by faith. When we pray, we're going to believe the promises of God. When we pray, we're going to expect God to do what he said he would do, because God is not a man that he's going to lie to us. Amen? I love that. I love it. And we're going to pray in his name. Remember, now it's not a magic formula, but we do pray to glorify him. We pray confidence in what he has accomplished and what that name means. Amen? You know, if you grew up in this thing like most of us did, and you grew up in Sunday school and you had your gospel publishing house Sunday school material, every, every week there was a memory verse and then there was a prayer and the prayer would always have in Jesus' name, amen. So, I mean, when, you know, when you're three, four, five, six, you just kind of, Jesus' name, amen. We, we just kind of recited it. We didn't quite understand it, you know what I mean? But then as you get older, you begin to understand what it means. 
praying in Jesus' name. We're praying with the name that is mightier than any other name. We're praying with the name that the Father responds to. Amen? Amen. So we, we pray that. We pray that. And I like this. And I like this. We ask what he would ask, what would please him, and what would bring glory by furthering his work. Again, as I understand more and more whose name this is and what that name means, the greatness of this name, it encourages my faith. That early church, remember they ministered that name. Remember that? Going up to the temple and the blind man, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And Peter says, look at us. We don't have what you want, but we got what you need. Amen. We got a resurrected Christ. And then what did he say? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up in that name. See, they ministered in his name. They ministered with confidence because they knew Jesus could back up his will. Jesus could back up his will. Hallelujah. Remember in Acts 16 when Paul, that demon-possessed girl, that slave girl was harassing them. And finally, after he had enough of it, he turned and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And immediately she was set free. Demons still reverence that name. Demons still know they have to bow to the name that's above every name. We understand the power and the glory and the preeminence, the authority of that name. It ought to encourage us to pray in that name. But see, he's given us the privilege. Just go ahead, use my name. You're my follower? Go ahead, use my name. You got to deal with spiritual things? Go ahead, use, you're one of mine? Use my name. I see the blood? You can use my name. Amen? Wow, what an honor. What an honor. You know when someone says you can use my name? Whew. Amen? And you know you couldn't get your foot in the door in your name. But because you used someone else's name, you got in. We use his name. Let's reverence that name, but let's be confident in that name. You know, when I go somewhere, depending on what name I'm going to, you know, so-and-so sent me. I know, oh, oh, you, oh, you know so-and-so. Oh, come on in. Come right, well, walk in. You know, you don't got to sit with the rest of them. Just walk on in. Just because of that name. Amen? I would travel with people. They look at me, and they I said, I'm, I'm here with so-and-so. Oh, oh, you were so, come on in. Go ahead. There's the green room over there. Help yourself. You want something? All of a sudden, I went from places full, no seat left. Can't let you in. Sorry. Uh, what is it? The fireman, um, uh, the fire marshal has, has closed the doors. Too many people. To also, oh, come right in. Special door around there. Because I, I used his name. I used someone's name. Because I was with someone. So we pray, we pray in that name. We pray in that name. Look at John 16. Flip over to John 16 and look at verse 22. Very important. We pray in his name. Jesus said, you pray in my name and that'll bring answers. We pray in that name. We're praying with confidence in who he is and what he has said and what he wants to do. We have authority. We pray in something that will glorify him. Amen? I'm not going to use your name and do something I know you would find despicable. I'm not going to use your name and do something that you would be upset about or you'd be ashamed about. Amen? I mean, I'm going to use your name reverently and in a way that you, you would be honored. You'd be pleased with that. I'm on my best behavior. Isn't that right? Listen, even, even when I had to go in the name of my children, when they're little and you have to go to teachers' conferences, hey, everybody judges everybody. I don't like getting dressed up. I dress real nice. I just, I, I'm, I'm representing my kids. I want to make sure they see a parent whose act is together. I, I'll talk with them. I, I'll make sure they know 
you know, we, we, we've got some education here. No, we're not. We didn't come off no turnip truck. Because I'm representing my kids. Amen? How many times? I bit my tongue a lot of times. I'm a pastor. I represent a congregation. I have to represent people. So it's not about me. It's about I, 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 I carry everyone's names. I carry the name of this great church in all these years. It's, I, I carry that. I have to walk in. So I'm irreverent with that. See what I mean? How many times? Oh, it was just me. <laughs> but I don't care so much. But the people, I'm, I'm reverencing their name. I'm going extra, but I'm reverencing my children's name. And I know what I do is going to affect them. His name, his name, his name. John 16, verse 22. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So with you, these are the words of Jesus. So with you, now is your time of grief. He told him, I'm going away. I'm going to be crucified. Going away. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you'll rejoice. Man, the resurrection changes everything, doesn't it? Man, the resurrection changes everything. He's alive. Ah, you'll rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. You're going to weep when you see me crucified. You're going to cry when you think your world's coming to an end. But when I come alive and I resurrect and I meet with you and you see me, when you meet a resurrected Jesus, nothing can stand in your way. When you meet a resurrected Christ, life is transformed. And he said, no one will take away your joy. In that day, you'll no longer ask me anything, any questions. I'll tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'll tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask that you may receive and that your joy would be full or complete. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus said, go ahead and ask. I want you to ask. God says, I want you to ask. Because I want you to receive. And I want your joy to be full. And I want my name to be glorified through it all. Go ahead and ask in my name. That means ask something that I'd want to answer. Ask something that brings me glory. Go ahead and ask. I love to glorify myself. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. We see how the resurrection changes everything. And we see in verse 24, the believer's joy. In this case, one of the ways our joy is stirred is by answered prayer. God says, I, I want you to be joy. Look at that. Look at, look at verse 24 again. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Didn't have to. He was there just asking. You know, and didn't have to. I was going to the Father. So now they're going to ask the Father in Jesus' name. They're going to approach the Father. But they're going to they're gonna have Jesus' name. Amen? But I love that last part. Jesus, ask, ask, and you, and you what? You will receive. Woo. And your joy will be full. God says, I want to make your joy full. I want to answer your prayer. I want to answer your cry. I want to meet your need. I want to show myself strong on your behalf. Go and ask me. Go ahead and ask me about that situation. Go ahead. Believe me for that situation. Go ahead. Articulate your desire in that situation. Quote the verse to me. Stand on the commandment for me. Claim the promise. Ask. So you can receive and your joy will be full. And Jesus is glorified. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? All right, let's move on here. We're going to pray not only in the name of Jesus, but we have to pray, and these kind of flow together, obviously. We want to pray according to God's will. We want to pray according to God's will. According to God's will. Now, we're going to take a little bit of time here. Um, we've got 1 John 5, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. 
We're going to pray according to God's will, and this is important. When you're not sure about someone's will, there, there can be a little hesitation, isn't that right? But when you know someone's heart, you know someone's mind, or you've heard their word, wow, isn't that right? Isn't that true? You, you know, you, you've been married, a lot of you guys, a lot of you people here, you've been married a long, long years, right? When you're married a long time, you, you pretty much, you pretty much nine out of ten can guess what they're going to say, but you know them pretty good, amen? But nothing trumps the word. No, they just said this morning. But sometimes they fool you, amen? Sometimes just when you got them figured out, amen, they throw a curveball at you and you thought for sure that's where they'd want to go and guess what? There's something else. They want to go somewhere, you know, so you never know, isn't that right? <laughs> you never know. And all the men said, amen. And them women folk, you never can figure them out totally. Keep you on your toes. But you might know them. You might understand them and think you. But nothing trumps that word. When they say, no, Friday night, I, I, I want to go, boom, all right, now I know. Can I wear this? Can I wear that? Do I got to call ahead? Do I got to break the piggy bank? Amen, amen. We were gonna, now I know. You got to know that. You're going to know the will of God. If you'll know the will of God. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If you're a believer, you should approach God with confidence. If you can't approach with confidence, then there's usually something wrong in your heart, and you need to make an altar and get it cleansed up. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive. Some people can't pray confidently because they know things aren't right with them and God. That hinders. Sometimes I've seen through the years that you waste your time praying for some people. Amen? You, some of you men know there's certain things electricity will flow through, certain things it won't. If you ever pray for people, that anointing, you can tell sometimes there it is. Other people, you can pray and scream to your horse, not going anywhere, like a block of wood. And you know they're not believing. You know there's something not right. So they're hindered from receiving. Amen? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Wow. That makes it real important to know his will, doesn't it? Because if I know his will, that's where confidence comes. That's where expectation comes. My faith is stirred. How do you people uh, wonder some things are so clear in the Bible and they wonder if it's God's will? What are you wondering about? I mean, that book is pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus spent most of his ministry, what do you go? Preaching, teaching, healing. Preaching, teaching, healing. He spent a majority. He said, whatever I see the Father do, that I do. Amen? I didn't do anything unless I see the Father do it. He did a whole lot of healing and deliverance. Did he not? People wondered, does God want to heal? You better believe God wants to heal. That didn't end with the apostles. That didn't end with Paul. He wants to do it today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're going to know his will. And sometimes people, their idea, listen, you approach the Bible not through your experience. You start judging your experience by that Bible. You can give some people 25 promises from the word of God, but uncle so-and-so, well, that's his problem. What's the Bible say? Amen? We better get back to that book, don't we? See, that book's going to judge us. We're not going to judge that book. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, I better know his will. The easiest place, the place to start knowing his will is reading that book. Amen? Studying that book. 
knowing the commandments of that book, knowing the promises of that book, knowing the principles in that book, knowing the spirit of that book. Not everything's in there, but I know God don't want fire falling down on the neighbor. Amen? That's not his spirit. Is it right? That's not his will. I can, I, I can know his heart. Amen? And if I know that he hears me, whatever we ask, it's in his will. I'm asking you. I got to ask it though, right? You notice how I said ask? It's confident if we ask, ask. 15, hears us if we ask. We know that we have what we ask. But doesn't God know? Listen, how many know God is God? He has structured things this way. He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. Well, God knows. Why doesn't he just do it? You're not God. You better find out the rules God put in order. God put this rule in order. You want to receive? You've got to learn to ask. Asking humbles you. Amen? Asking makes you come in line with God's will. We don't tell God what to do. God tells us what to do. We submit to that. Amen? So here we go. Start verse 14 again. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Amen? We pray with an expectation. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I know it's his will that none perish. How about that? When I pray for a soul to get saved, I am praying with expectation. Now, they got a will of their own. Hell's going to try to blind their minds, but I'm praying because I know what God's will is. Amen? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whew, whatever we ask in his will, we know we have. Got it. He's coming. It's what we ask of him. Amen? Amen? Go, go to the, um, I didn't give this to him back there. Go to the third chapter. Go to the third chapter real quick. Because this is very important. I want to know God's will. I'm going to have confidence. But I want to throw this in there. It's important to know God's will. It produces a real accuracy and confidence when we pray. But along with 1 John 5, look at 1 John 3. And there's just another condition for answer to prayer. There are certain conditions. Amen? You're coming to an agreement with someone, there's conditions. There's if and a then. I just can't get the then if I haven't done the if. Isn't that true? You ever sign a contract? There's if and thens. And, and so again, when I just can't take one stipulation, I did it, and ignore the last three stipulations. I've got to. So here's another one. And this is very important, 1 John 3. And look at verse 21. 1 John 3. And look at verse 21. Dear friends of our hearts, do not condemn us. We have confidence before God. Can I give you some advice? If you want to go somewhere in your Christian experience, be a good repenter. Be a good repenter. Be a good repenter. God's a great forgiver. We're just not very good repenters. When you blow it, say, I blew it. Be tender. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, go ahead. Ball, squall, say, Lord, forgive me. Be serious about it. God. You know, you know, King Saul didn't kill some wicked people that God wanted him to kill. He just captured them. David committed terrible adultery and killed, had the man killed. Yet David's got a heart for God, and Saul gets rejected. What's the difference? David knew how to repent. Saul never repented. Saul never said, I'm guilty. He blamed everyone else. Never said, I'm sorry. Never took um, 
accountability for his actions, but David did. He groaned, he cried, he wept. He said, oh God, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, unsend me, the Hebrew, unsend me. Rip it out of me, cleanse me, purge me, wash me of this terrible thing. You want to walk with God, be a good repenter. Have a tender heart. And when you sin, don't make excuses about it. When you read something in the Bible that you're not living right, say, Lord, forgive me and help me to get my line in order with the book. And when you blow it, and everybody blows it, don't cover it up. We live in a cover-up world. They justify everything. We've justified murder, perversion, and everything else in this crazy world. But if you want to walk closer to this God, tender and contrite heart. That's where God is, amen? And when your heart is tender, that means, you, you know when someone's tender, they get woken up real easy. When people are callous, be tender, be tender. The Bible tells us here, dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence with God. Now, if you're going to be honest for a second, you know when you've got something in your heart that's not right with God, it's hard to pray. You might fake it and people are around and yell a little louder, but you know deep down there's not confidence. You know that. A am I right? Sure. But when you live clean, when you live clean and your heart's pure, we can have confidence. Isn't that beautiful? Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, well, how am I going to keep my heart? I'm going to repent quick when I miss it. And I'm going to stay tender before the Lord. Amen? And if I offend my brother, forgive me, brother. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to grieve the Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Take not your spirit from me. Be sensitive, be tender. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we've got confidence. You know, when you live pure, it's great. Amen? Then you can pray with confidence and expectation. And then, oh, man. There's nothing hindering the flow of that anointing. There's no kink in your hose. It goes on, it goes on. Look what it says. And here it is, and here, and, and we receive. Oh, this is beautiful. We have confidence before God, and we receive. Woo! If you're going to have confidence, you're going to receive. Amen? And receive from him anything we ask. One condition is I know his will, and I'm praying his will. The other condition is I've got a pure heart and a clean heart. Amen? But you can't pray in faith when the spirit is grieved. I'm just telling you. You can yell loud. You can shake like you shake. You can fake like you fake. Amen? You can get that crocodile tear and all that good stuff. When the spirit's grieved, the spirit's grieved. And we receive anything we ask. Because we keep his commands. See, we're walking in obedience. The heart don't condemn me. See, I'm keeping his commands. Isn't that right? Treat my wife right, like she's supposed to be treated. Amen? I'm giving my, my, my boss a quality work on the job. Isn't that true? Isn't that right? I'm treating my neighbor like I would treat myself. Isn't that right? We receive because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Whew. So that obedience and keeping a pure heart in line with his will, powerful prayer, effective prayer. See, there's a reason there's not too many people that can get heaven to move. You know that's right. You, you had a problem. You had a lot of people you wouldn't even think about calling. You don't get nothing from God. There's others he'd say, you know what? They know God. When they pray, things seem to happen. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord, have mercy on me. Go ahead, 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3. 
We must pray according to the will of God. We must pray according to the will of God. Again, what, what are the commands of God? What is the character of God? If God is holy, you, you think he wants to be praying about something that's not going to bring about holiness? Anybody? Right? Um, what are the promises? That's a real easy one. If God's given you a promise, I'll give you peace. Amen? Oh, beyond understanding. You think it's God's will for you to have peace? You better believe it is. He said it. Can't get much clearer, is it? He'll supply all your needs. Isn't that in the book? Isn't that right? You don't got to wonder about that. The example, the spirit. And I got to ask myself, as I know the will of God and I know the word of God, what applies to my situation? What applies to my situation? And once we know God's will, we pray with that confidence and assurance. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture. 3 and 16, all scripture is God-breathed is God-inspired and is useful or good for teaching. One thing it's going to teach us, it's going to teach us the will of God, amen? The Bible teaches us the will of God. I want to pray with confidence. If I'm going to pray with confidence, I need to know the will of God. Isn't that true? If I'm going to ask you for a favor, I, I want to know it's something you want to give me before I ask. I mean, if I know it, I'm going to ask, right? If you, you tell me, hey, anytime you need to borrow the truck to, you know, to move, uh, move something or whatever, just go ahead and ask. Oh, help, help yourself. Go ask. If he's given me that promise, I'm going to ask you with confidence. Now, if you never give me that promise, a little more timid. You know what I mean? I might have my wife bake you pie, soften you up first. You know what I mean? I might try to get on your good side. You know, you got to try to, you got to try to give you a little wisdom there. But the Bible says, verse 16 here, all scripture is God-breathed and it's good for. What's the Bible good for? Number one, teaching. I'm going to teach you and I how to live. Amen? Don't let the talk shows teach you how to live. Don't let secular university teach you how to live. Let the word of God teach you how to live. Amen? But also teach you how to pray because it shows you the will of the heart of God. Teaching and, and rebuking, it corrects me, doesn't it? Well, good father doesn't correct his children. Isn't that right? We take those kids away from their parents that, that can't raise them properly. Good parents are able to discipline their kids, aren't they? This word of God. This is the word of the Father. It'll correct me when I need correction. And I know it's hard for you to believe, but I need correction from time to time. I'm telling you, sometimes he's got a, Lord's got a, boom. You know, you're being a little impatient. This happens to be your devotions that day. Patience. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Hits you between the eyes. Amen. You know, you're rough and gruff, and God says, gentle, be gentle with all men. I don't be gentle. Thank you. <laughs> Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and, and listen, training in righteousness. This word's going to train us how to live righteously. And one of the ways we live righteously is by people, by being people of powerful prayer. But Jesus said the Father is glorified when he answers the prayer. Um, he, he pleases and brings up joy when, he answer, when we answer prayer. So again, so that, verse 17, so the man of God, the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We'll be proficient for every task. But the big thing there is, if I'm going to pray his will, I've got to know his will. And the best way to know is we start out the word of God, the written word. Someone says, all right, once we get the written word, and that's going to cover most of it, Let's look at a couple other things. Looking at my clock, so I'll give you maybe an outline, and we'll get to them next time. All right? Most of us recognize that there are usually about three answers to prayer, right? Three answers normally? Yes, no, and wait. 
If you're like me, you don't like two out of the three. Amen. Yes, no, and wait. Now, I'm trying to get the will of God. Now, now sometimes, see, all right, we've got away from the, the, the kindergarten. Kindergarten is the written. That's written. Anyone can read the book and know what God says. Amen? Now, some people don't want to. Some people make excuses. They know what God says. They don't want to do it. But that's a different story. As far as knowing, very clear, it's written. Amen? And it's written in a language. Anybody can understand it, right? Man, most have been reading the Bible. Most of us don't have PhDs, but we can understand it, can't we? All right. But, but now once we go beyond written, there's other things about the will of God that we have to begin to recognize as we walk with God. One thing, for instance, is the timing of God. You know, God has a timing and seasons for things. And I can be praying for something, wondering why isn't it being answered? You know, it might not be the right time for it to be answered. Abraham waited some 25 years. He had a word from God. He had an audible word from God. He knew this was God's will for him and his wife to have a son. Amen? They were no doubt about it. They want some crazy charismatic prophet prophesying something, you know, something bad about 250. They don't even hit, you know, they don't, they don't do, you know, they miss more than they hit. Um, but this was God's audible voice speaking to this guy. Amen? So he's got a promise, does he not? And the one that gave the promise, he can do anything. He's God, right? But you know, it still took 25 years. You'd be praying and believing. Why, why isn't the answer coming? It's not time yet. It's not time yet. See? Well, look at this next week. You know, one time Paul, he's working according to the light he has. That's all we can do, right? I got to live according to the light I have. Now, see, God says, Paul, you're to be a preacher to the Gentiles and go places other people haven't gone and start churches. Okay. Well, let's go here. This is, there's Gentiles. They need to preaching. And no one's been there. Let's go. And the Bible says, not the devil, but the Holy Spirit stopped them. How do you like that? Trying to obey God. I'm moving by what I know God has said. Back up. Right? Well, what do you do? When you get in a hole, first thing you do is stop digging. Amen. So he's going to beat your little beak against the nose. Some Christians are like the little bird running into the mirror, window. You ever see a little bird? He doesn't Boom, little beak. And you sometimes just stop hitting your little beak and stop. Step back. All right, Lord. <sighs> That must not have been it. This, all right, okay, let's see. Preach, Gentiles, we're no other one. Boom, this time the spirit of Jesus closed the door. Pray again. This time, Macedonian call. Come over here. Now, later on, years later, he's going to go there and preach. It just wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet. And see, that's where you have to get a little bit more mature to really walk closer with God. It's like anything else. There's a maturity in relationships. There's a maturity in, in close relationships. Anyone knows on your first date, you know, you, you don't, you know, you, <laughs> certainly you don't say from square one. You know, the longer you walk together, you know more and more. Amen? So the more you walk with God, you begin to recognize time. But here, hey, I don't know about you, but I feel good to know that even these great apostles like Paul, that the will of God wasn't always super easy for him to discern. I feel kind of good hearing about Paul missing it twice. <laughs> it makes me feel like I, I can still get along. Amen? Well, there's timing. How about, how about, not only is there timing, how about sometimes when God has a hidden purpose for things that we don't recognize? We're going to look at this all up next week, next week. 
that same Paul, and he was a man of faith. He had revelations. He got caught up in the heavens. God used him to raise the dead and heal the sick. But then one time he got afflicted. Now we're not going to talk go about what it is, but the fact is he got afflicted and he prayed at least three times, God, deliver this from me. God, I know it's your will that I, you know, help me, Lord. And finally, Lord, shut up, Paul. That's doing something in you that's helping you. Paul, there's a deeper purpose in what's going on that you have not understood right now. That's why I'm not answering your prayer. You might be praying in faith, in Jesus' name, according to the light you have, but his ways are higher than ours. Amen. And his light is brighter than ours. Amen. And sometimes reasons prayers don't get answers is God says there's a higher purpose working here. We look in Hebrews 12 and it talks about how God disciplines those he loves. And he uses hardships to do that. So I could be going through a hardship and I want to stand on the promise and I want to believe God to get me out of it real quick. And the whole time, maybe God's saying, son, there's something deeper at work here. You don't see it. And you really right now don't appreciate it because it's not comfortable. But I'm actually doing a maturing work in your heart. I'm doing a work of grace in your heart that can't get done. You know, you can't cook the turkey in 15 minutes. How about that? Isn't that right? But we want to be instant Christian supermen and women by one little prayer line, bop in the head, and here we are. It don't work that way. Amen? You've got to walk with God. And so God's got to bring us through things. And so sometimes I'm praying, get me out of this jam. God says, no, son, in due time I will. But this jam, as you call it, is actually working something deep in your heart. I couldn't come and minister where I ministered in my 40s with the maturity I had in my 20s. I would have killed them, they would have killed me, we would have killed each other. They didn't have the maturity. I had to go through some things to bring that maturity. Amen? To bring the greater measure of patience and self-control and grace. Come on. Anybody? Anybody look back? Remember how you were at 25? Amen? Hopefully some of us have grown up. But God brought us through some things. And he didn't just snap his finger and take those things away overnight, did he? Even though we prayed, God said, no, actually there's a hidden purpose in some of these things you don't recognize. So that's why I'm going to let it work in you. I'm going to allow this thing. And that's why I'm not answering it. Amen? As the one lady said to the younger lady, honey, God's not into microwaving. He's into marinating. Amen? And God, God, we like to microwave it. Amen. Give me that popcorn quicker, quicker, quicker. And God said, no, I've got to marinate you because I want to mature you. Amen. And last but not least, and then we'll, we'll look at all these up next time. You, how, how many of you know you, you can have, you know, we love to quote, we all quote it. He gives us the desires of our heart. Amen. You know, you might have a good desire in your heart, but it might not be God's desire for your life. One time David had a great desire, a, a beautiful desire. He wanted to build a temple. That was certainly God's will, just not for him. It was God's will, but not for David. David had it in his heart, I want to build a temple. That's a good thing. I want to do this for God. <laughs> I joke because I, I, I've wanted to go to preach in Chicago for 25 years. The first place we ever ministered full-time as youth pastors was Chicago, a mile up the street from Wrigley Field. And we both fell in love with it. 
And oh, I just wanted to preach the gospel in that great city. Uh, the, the, the nations, the, I just wanted. We left there after two, three years of being youth pastors. And I left it and I said, oh God, if you would please send me back to that great city and let me just lay my life down and preach to the masses. 25 years later, not a sniff, not a, not a, you know, would you consider, I mean, not for you. Some things just aren't for us, amen? So some things could be good desires, like David had a good desire, want to build a temple. But you know what David did? Because God said, it's a good thing you have it in your heart, but you're not the one, you, you shed blood. You're a man of war. I want a man of peace, Solomon, to build it. But you know what David did? And this is what I've done with Chicago all these years. I prayed. David saved and prepared all the resources. David said, well, God won't let me build it. I'm going to use my latter years as king. My reign, we're going to save. We're going to get the equipment. We're going to get the gold. We're going to get the timber. We're going to get all the provisions ready so that when the one comes that is supposed to build it, I'm going to do my part. We can always do something, you see. And that's why through the years I've watched. I pray, I mean, I'm talking about 25, 26 years old. I prayed for that city. And I've seen God bless in certain churches. Certain people came from other places. All wonderful things. But sometimes, you know, we wonder, why isn't God answering? Well, sometimes we're not the one. Sometimes that's not God's will for us, though it might be God's will for someone else. We're going to look all these up next time. Isn't God a good God? Amen. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us how we can pray more effectively, how we can pray more accurately, more um, fruitfully. We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you that we can come boldly to the throne of grace with a full assurance, a full confidence. Because we don't come in our own merit, we come in the merit of Jesus. We don't come in our own righteousness, we come in the righteousness of Jesus. We don't come because we're worthy. We come because Jesus is worthy and we've been washed in his blood. We thank you. Help us, O oh God, to know your will and to pray your will with confidence and expectation. Use us that are here tonight to be men and women that are fruitful in prayer, very productive in prayer, that you can place burdens on our heart and use us to birth them in the earth that you can show us things that you want done and you can give us the, 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 the assignment to pray it through. Thank you, Lord, that when we do have needs, we learn that we can go to the Bible and we can see what you have said about the situation. And we can pray that in a line with your promise and your command with a great expectation and we will have our joy filled as we see you answer our cry. Father, bless these dear ones. Give them a great week and use them mightily in the ministry of prayer. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. See you. See you on Sunday.